Your show will go live in five seconds. Four, three, two, one. Love Hope Radio. Hello and welcome to another Network Alchemist production of The Networking Fools. With your Networking Fools and hosts, J.W. Nigerian and Bob Schechter, as they discuss business, finance, and lifestyle. Hello and welcome to the Networking Fools Show with your Networking Fools, J.W. and Bob Schechter. Say hello, Bob. Good morning, everybody. Today, we're very honored to have on our show Lee Cockrell. Uh, for those of you who don't know Lee, uh, as the Senior Operating Executive for 10 years, Lee led a team of 40,000 cast members, was responsible for the operations of 20 resort hotels, four theme parks, two water parks, a shopping and entertainment village, and a sports and recreation complex, in addition to ancillary operations which supported the number one vacation destination in the world. One of Lee's major and lasting legacies was the creation of Disney Great Leader Strategies, which continues on as a primary resource for developing the 7,000 leaders at Walt Disney World. So now you know where Lee's coming from here. Uh, Lee has held various executive positions in the hospitality and entertainment business with Hilton Hotels for eight years and the Marriott Corporation for 17 years before joining Disney in 1990 to open up the Disney Disneyland Paris project. Lee has served as chairman of the board of uh, Heart of Florida United Way. He currently serves he currently serves on the board of trustees for the Culinary Institute of America. In 2005, Governor Bush appointed Lee to the Governor's Commission on Volunteerism in Public Service for the State of Florida. And Lee is now dedicating his time to public speaking, authoring a book on leadership management and service excellence which was published in 2008 and is now available in 10 languages. He also performs leadership and service excellence consulting for organizations as well as the Disney Institute. Mr. Cockrell has graciously agreed to give us some time today to talk about his management approach, where it comes from, how it works, and how you can learn from a true road-tested icon of leadership. First, thanks for taking the time, Lee, to uh, share your experience with us today. Um, let's start with, uh, with your journey. How does someone become VP of Operations for the most famous and happiest place on earth? Well, my high school teacher probably wondered that too. So I grew up in Oklahoma. And um, when I graduated, I went to college uh, for a couple of years. Didn't do too well, so I went in the Army. When I got out of the Army, I started as a waiter at the Washington Hilton in 1965. And I tell everybody, I think the main reason I got ahead in my life is uh, I'm very organized. I'm very, very organized, and I had a really super positive attitude. Next thing I knew, they put me in a management training program and ended up spending eight years at Hilton. And then I went to Marriott in uh, 1973 and ended up as a restaurant manager there and ended up as vice president of food and beverage after all those years. And then I got recruited to Disney to go because I had a strong food and beverage background to go to Paris to open those hotels. Right. And I uh, went there, and next thing I know, they made me in charge of all the operations of Walt Disney World. <laughs> so it went by fast. Oh, my gosh. Well, one of the things you said in there, you talked about uh, helping start up um, uh, Walt Disney or Disney World in Paris or Disney in Paris. Uh, was you know we we only heard about it over here. I understand that was uh, a, a pretty big challenge for Disney. Uh, it was it was probably the hardest job I ever had. First of all, we had to do it in uh, 
everything we did was in five languages. And then I had to go and recruit 200 managers who, and then all the staff who had never worked for Disney. So we really didn't have a Disney culture there. And, you know, you find out how it takes time, a lot of time to develop a culture. So we had to do tons of training and all. And then the business was pretty rough over there. We opened in the middle of a recession and uh, we were losing a lot of money and it was, it was tough. But, uh, I learned a lot in that job. You, you learn in those tough jobs what you're capable of and, uh, we had a great organization, but actually probably had too much debt on the property, built too much too soon, and so it was always uh, challenging um, because of the losses there. But uh, it was a great experience living in a foreign country, too. Let me tell you what. I learned what it was like to be illiterate. <laughs> and uh, my wife spoke French. My son married a French woman. Everybody in the family speaks French for me, so I just drink my champagne and smile when we're over in France. There you go. There you go. Hey, let me let me ask you about this because um, one of the things you mentioned was building the Disney culture in a place where it it, it wasn't, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna right. get into that a little more. I want, I'll back up a little bit, but I wanted to ask you while we're here. Um, you know, I know McDonald's has the famous McDonald's universe or Hamburger University. How do you? What was what was some of the things that you had you found you had to do to get somebody educated on the culture over there? Did you have to? Did you have a Hamburger U of sorts at Disney? Oh, yeah, we have Disney University over there and in Orlando and in uh, California, all over. And so people get tons of technical training in the university. And then we uh, also do lots of, uh, really, well, I guess you'd call it culture training. We talk about the expectation very clearly when we hire people of what they need to be really take care of our guests and to go out of the way and exceed expectations and all those kinds of things. So, uh, we, you know, you talk about it a lot, but it just takes time to get it in place and continual um, reminding people of uh, why we were special and and um, the kind of expectations that guests have all over the world around Disney. They expect it to be perfect and uh so, yeah, I, and I, we we really came to the conclusion: if we have the right leaders in place, they do create the right environment. They do create the right culture. The cast members wake up in the morning, want to go to work, versus having to go to work. And over time, uh, the way you show respect and help with the cast members' development, and including them and listening to them and all those kinds of things, you slowly but surely get a uh, culture and an environment that's different than other organizations. Well, that, that segues right into my next kind of, question. Kind of like, it's kind of like raising children. It takes a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> that segues right into my next question for you, Lee. And that is um, one of the things, you know, I really enjoyed reading your book. I got a lot out of it. Uh, um, I, I read a lot of books for the interviews, but yours was the, yours was very close to my heart because uh, I just really loved the... Not just hearing your great stories. And your stories, uh, in your stories, there was there were definitely golden nuggets to learn. But just talking about your management techniques and, and how you um, how you deal with your workers, um, let's, let's start right there. Um, because you talk about Disney leadership starting with respect for crew members and guests. Um, can you tell me more about this? Especially since we you, we you always say crew members, you don't you, you never say employees. Yeah, yeah we call everybody's business called a cast member because our in our mind what we're doing every day is the big red curtain opens and we're putting on a big show and uh, we want to make sure that we pick the right people 
they've been rehearsed, they know what they're supposed to do, and uh, that they're going to get out there and execute every day in the way that guests would expect it. So, and I think every company, if they would take that approach that they're putting on a big show and everybody needs, you got to have the right players, the right lead actor, the lead actresses, you got to have the right support people backstage, on stage, and the place has got to look great, lights, camera, are all ready to go, and that's how we think about it every day. It's kind of like action, and uh, so, uh, and I think one of the things that's helped me at Disney is to keep that culture in place. And at Euro Disney, was I started at the bottom, I've worked in kitchens, and I didn't have a college degree, and I uh, I uh, worked my way up in all of those positions. So all the cast members really related to me very easily, and I uh, had a lot of credibility because I'd done most of the jobs I had. So even when my son graduated from Boston University, I told him to start in an hourly position, which he did in the parking lot at Euro Disney. He started there uh, parking cars. He didn't speak a word of French. He learned to speak French. And uh, even though I just spent 100000 bucks on his education, that's where I thought he should start. And today he's the vice president of Epcot. So it kind of pays <laughs> off to know he's got a good credibility and a good uh, reputation because he can relate to people at every level. And I think that's one of the things kind of missing that, a lot of organizations don't really believe that everyone's important. Well, you, you, you touched on something here. Um, one of the Nordstrom, uh, they, they will, I don't care if you come out with a master's degree in business, you, they make you start on the floor. And that, Absolutely. That, I mean, it just makes sense. you got to know the business. Absolutely. And uh, so uh, I think that was part of my success. And I grew up in Oklahoma. It's kind of a, you know, everybody's pretty authentic down there. And it's uh, <laughs> I just have a style, and maybe when I didn't come out of a Ivy League school or something, I had a little different personality than everybody else. So over the years, I've had a lot of guys from Harvard work for me. They didn't like that too much. One of the things I, I was I got from your book is how close you you really were to the cast members. How you loved to go walk around uh, Disney World and, and talk to cast members, and of course you always invited cast members. You had an open door policy, and you always invited their ideas and um, the, you know their input. Um, how do you, what do you, how, you know, how do you stay away from micromanaging? Well, I didn't really micromanage. Mine was to be visible. You know, I uh, I tell people all the time, I had the best people surrounding me that were the best engineer and the best food and beverage guy. We do a billion dollars in food and beverage down there. We do a billion dollars in merchandise. I had the best merchandise executive in the world. And really, I didn't even, uh, I, I took the position that I was available to them to help them, but I really let them run their businesses. And I was more out there to provide inspiration, walk, meet the cast members. I scheduled that every month to be in those places. And as I teach in my time management, schedule the priorities in your life. People want to see you. They want to, they want to understand what you're looking for. And if you're not visible, you don't have a comfortable relationship with the people. They don't tell you the truth. You don't know what's going on. And so I spend a lot of time out in the operation either and even when they didn't know I was out there, I'd take my grandkids and go and put my hat on and sunglasses and so I could get the reality. I needed to know what were, how good we really were. Not right. that bad. You know, you sit up in the office, and I had a great office, man. I was on the fourth floor lower looking at this beautiful lake, and up there everything looks great. <laughs> <laughs> you get out on the floor, and, you know, and you get out of those parts, you see there's, there's always an opportunity to do things better. And that's what I need to know, because if you don't learn the truth, you really can't make the right decisions. And so... 
it was just a philosophy of mine. I, it's kind of a routine. When I ran a hotel, routine to me was coming in at 6 in the morning, walking every floor in the hotel, going by and see the meeting planners in the morning, walking through the kitchens every single day. Routine. Uh, keeps things consistent so I could actually understand exactly how well we were doing. And so I tell people all the time, put some routine in your life. Management's not supposed to be exciting. <laughs> we tell people management's supposed to be calm and collected and organized. If you want to be excited, go be a race car driver. But don't, uh, we don't want fires and people running around crazy and things falling apart. And so put the routine in your life. And routine really is something that more people need to learn how to do because you get better results. Even your children at home, they want routine. They want a, an atmosphere that is uh, calm and safe. And so that's why I was out and about. I knew everybody. So um, that, uh, and I always worried about that when I went there. How do you keep up with 40,000 cast members? But you just got to chip away at it, be out there. Anytime somebody wanted me to come and talk to them and out in the operations, I would go and continually be telling them how great we are and trying to get them to feel good about it. You know, to get commitment out of people, you can't make them do it. you got to hope you go through their heart to get to their brain. And when they feel good about their leadership, I think uh, they just they get up and want to do a good job. Yeah, that's true. Most people want to do a good job. That's true. Uh, um, let, let me ask you about this because uh, you talk, we talked about the cast members. And sorry, I said crew members earlier. I meant cast members. Um, yeah. I, I have a I have an annual pass to to Disney, and I, I, we go we go a lot. We I make you know you're supposed to go over five times to make sure you pay it back. Well, we've paid it back five times, <laughs> ten times over at least. But um, one of the things is the the guests themselves. I'm sure as VP of operations, you have to listen to the guests because I know we feel as as many of our friends that go with us feel that that's our place. And, uh, you know, we have no qualms of going to management whenever, you know, we find a, a bathroom that might not be up to spec or something that we don't like. Uh, we make our friends right. heard. So what about that? Well, we, in many ways, we have a formal way we talk to guests. We talk to about two million guests a year, either right in, as they're entering the park, when they're exiting the park, when they're checking into their hotel, when they're entering a restaurant, when they're entering an attraction, or on the Internet. We know what's going on pretty well because we find a lot of ways to talk to our guests at different points in their visit to make sure everything's going well. And then our managers are required in operations to be out on the floor, out of their office 80% of the day. So they're out there on the floor with the guests. So it's not hard to find a manager. It's not hard to see a manager. And our our, our managers don't hide from the guests like some managers <laughs> of organizations like, like at airports. <laughs> you know? We're out there. We know what's happening. So, uh, and then we try to correct it right away. And uh, it's just that kind of thing. Find out what's going on, fix it. Because there's going to be something going on every day that you need to fix. And uh, now they say there's only one question you should ask your guests as they exit. Uh, would you recommend this to your best friend and to your your loved ones? And, you know, that's the right question because that's all you need to know. <laughs> and if they say no, you ask them why. When they tell you why, then you go fix that. So and, do you think that, you know, you? I mean, we're talking about, 40,000 cast members, four theme parks, 20 hotels. Does your manage, the management style that you talk about, I mean, you, you, te you taught, or I'm not sure if you still teach, but you, I know you taught at the Disney Institute and you teach Disney management skills. Are these skills scalable for the man on the street who's running a small business? Well, I think they absolutely are. And the fact that small business person should be able to do it perfectly. 
I mean, when you think about it, literally, I mean, if somebody that's got a small business and has 50 employees, 100, 25 minutes, you can't know them well. I, you know, back in the 1880s, people had 15 kids. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. And it's just a matter of if you want to do it. You know, we always say, can you do it? You can do whatever you want. I, I suggest that 50%, most people can do 50% more than they're done. They're not overworked. They're under-organized. People are so disorganized today. It's incredible. I'm rolling out this time management course in January across the country. People don't know how to get organized. They don't teach it in high school. They don't teach it in college. They don't know how to put a plan together. They don't know how to put priorities on their life and move through. They don't find their whole life in their day planner. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, this is a big problem. Are, are, kid, are, problem. Kids allowed, are kids allowed in your classes or your time management classes? Hey, listen, I put anybody in my classes, and in fact, I had my son go before he went to college, and I told him I'm only paying for four years, and you better sit on the front row and tell the professor he's doing a good job, because that's the way you get an A in life. You know, <laughs> it's not about your grade, it's about your relationship. And, uh, oh, yeah. and, and really, you've got to schedule yourself, you've got to be disciplined, you've got to be able to have a, some kind of day planner to schedule your priorities, including your health, your workouts, your retirement planning, your business, your direct reports, uh, most people don't have a clue what they're doing. I mean, they don't sit down and think about what they're doing, and life gets away from you. Well, you know, I'm, I'm the most organized person in the world, and I need I need your class. Uh, but I did learn, you know, from uh, some of my mentors, one of the uh, very important lesson, and that is, if you can't um, measure it, you can't manage it. Well, absolutely, and uh, you know, life goes by quick. I tell everybody, I married this 22 year old woman, and now I'm living with her grandmother. So life, life goes by fast. We've been married 42 years. Yeah. And it, it seems like yesterday. I don't know how I ended up with a son 41 years old. Oh, I'm not sure where that happened. Well, Lee, I, I want to just say, first of all, I will attest to the fact that JW is not very organized, but I'm not quite sure if organization itself is, is the only key. And I know when I read your book, um, one of the things that I took away from it that was really to me, even though I know you, you, you say you were pretty much married to your uh, daytimer, uh, I took away the fact that there's a release of responsibilities and making sure that you hire the best. As you said, you were surrounded by the best. And I think that's where managers really fall short, is they, they're not willing to let go. Oh, absolutely. And I, uh, it, I, I hear from people all the time asking me how they can deal with an over-controlling boss. And it, it it's deflating. It uh, makes you want to not work there. Everybody who's good and thinks they're good and wants everybody wants to have responsibility and authority. And I think that's what we do well at Disney. If you have a problem at Disney, ninety percent of the problems at Disney can be handled by the front line cast member. They have the authority to resolve it. They don't have to get a manager. And you know, authority is a wonderful thing. It's like when you have children; it's hard to give it out. But if you don't give it out, they grow up and they're. Irresponsible, and they, they make the wrong decisions. And uh, that, I agree with that. You got to hire great people. You know, they say we hire too fast in America and fire too slow. We hire people. We don't take our time. We don't get the right people in the jobs. Uh, we're not clear. We don't. Uh, we're. I mean, I tell people all the time: be clear with your people what the expectations are, and then enforce them. Bill Marriott told me years ago the only way you get excellence is training and enforcement. After you train people, enforce it. Don't put procedures and policies and all this stuff in place if you're not going to enforce them. Right. Right. That's important. Um, yeah, and, and you, you do speak to empowering your employees at every level, which I, I think is really it's critical 
but I, I, as, a, as a businessman, I know it's nearly impossible uh, unless you, you know, and I, I, I shouldn't say it that way, but if you're it, to scale it down, when you're at Disney, you can afford to make mistakes. When you're a small entrepreneur, you feel there's no room for error. Yeah, but your biggest mistake may be controlling the people who probably have the right answers and know how to save you money and know, I tell you what, when you get everybody in your organization committed, that that's the best cost management program in the world. When everybody wakes up, your organization wants to help run the business, right? And if, people, if you can't get that, you're going to have a, a miserable life and probably have ulcers and God knows what because you can't run everything, you can't know everything, and you can't be an expert in everything anymore. The world's gotten way too complex. So those poor people, I feel sorry for them. They must uh, be on antidepressants. <laughs> well, that is really most business people, and that's why I think the statistics are 80 or 85% of business startups fail within the first year or two years. That's incredible. But a lot of it has to do with just lousy management. And I know one of the things that's a, a a recurring theme throughout your book is is change. Uh, you know, keeping up with change, not being afraid of it, and embracing it. And I, I think that's a lot. To, that has a lot to do with the fact that most managers don't really understand that concept of, of change. Oh, oh no, I, they don't. And I talk about it. you know what happens is most people become managers and they've had no training to be a manager. They they go to college or they learn technically. They they know a bunch of stuff. But we don't teach them how to be a good manager, how to get that stuff done every day, and that's the problem. You got to. So I say you got to have technical competence, then you got to be a good manager, management competence, then you got to really embrace and have technological competence today. Because if you don't, you're not going to apply it to your business, and you're going to get behind because your competitor is going to eat you up. And then leadership competence. It's four different things, and average person doesn't wake up in the morning and think about those four things separately. We teach people. I told the colleges that I was speaking in college. I said, you know, you guys teach everybody a lot of stuff, but you don't teach them how to get it done. And then they get out in the world, and it's a free for all. They got to pick up kids at soccer and do their work, and get home and do this. And then the boss wants more. And then we're in a recession, and people end up. Uh, and especially, I'll tell you, these controlling managers, even if they can get it done, they end up with a divorce. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, you got to get your whole life together. And uh, a lot of people just don't have, I think, the self-confidence to do that. And if you hire the right people, you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, today, you know, we have a, a, a double problems. You know, leadership and, and management is always an issue. But today, many corporations and companies are having to lay off employees and employees they have have to do double duty, so it gets even worse. Yeah, it's going to get worse, frankly. It's going to get worse, and I will tell you, in my opinion, half the people can't handle technology. they got a BlackBerry in their pocket, they got an iPhone, they got an iPad, they got a desktop, and you still can't get a hold of them. <laughs> they can't handle it. It's too stressful for them because they're disorganized. Well, I'll tell you how <clears throat> you must be really organized because I, when I first got on the Internet and I, and I was looking for books on Disney management, uh, and I go through and I see your, your work and I decide, hey, I'm going to see if I can get a hold of Lee. I call your number and you answer. <laughs> well, that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> yeah, but most people are so busy doing half the stuff you do, and they're, but they're too busy to, to do anything. You know, they told me if you do the big stuff, a bunch of little stuff doesn't happen, so you get a lot more time. <laughs> so, <laughs> like if you tell your wife you love her, you don't have to go to court or get a lawyer. You don't have to have arguments. <laughs> it is a big thing in life. 
I mean, it is. You know, when we take care of the big to hire the right person, you don't have a bunch of other stuff happening. You don't have to set the coaching council and worry about their job and do it yourself. And that's what happens. We don't. If you work out, you don't have to go to the doctor. You don't have to check the hospital. You don't have to have bypass. <laughs> so, <laughs> you're actually talking about balance, aren't you? <laughs> well, there is. We talk, I talk about congruity. You got to be have a good balance. It's, it's doing the right things at the right time and making sure you're doing the ones that really count. And, and people say I don't have time to work out because I want time. I finish watching TV. It's eleven o'clock. <laughs> you know. So I mean, people have so many excuses. Everybody has time to do what they want, but not what they should be doing in life. And then they end up with a lot of regrets at the end of their life. They're in a wheelchair. They don't feel good. Relationships, divorce. No relationship with their children. Regrets come fast. Okay, so so the so the average Joe listening to this um, is the Disney Institute a, a great answer? Uh, what what is, what, is the, what are some of the things uh, business owners and managers can do today to to get this training or to learn some more? Well, there's a, you know, I do a ton of this for companies. I'm so busy now. All of a sudden, companies are having meetings again because they haven't had them for the last two and a half years because of the economy. And now they're figuring out, hey, we better start talking to our people again, get them together, and start training and developing them. You know, and training and development is two different things. Training for me is when you want me to do something for you, you train me to do it. Development's when I'm doing something for you, which means it's one-on-one. I'm telling you the truth. I'm helping you get ahead. I'm getting you the right classes. I care about you. Training, everybody talks about training development like it's a department instead of a responsibility. And so I do these. I'm rolling out a seminar across the nation, six cities in um, January. Starts in in, uh, Atlanta, then San Francisco, New York. D.C., Chicago, and it's going to be a two-day seminar on leadership and time management. It's going to be a full half day just on time management, how to organize yourself to get all this stuff done that you learn. And so it's out there. It's available. But most people won't even take the time to go to class. <laughs> they wonder what happened. <laughs> I don't have time to go to that time management class. That's the ironic thing. Oh, yeah. Did they get a little hands-on with you during your seminars? I'm the only one teaching it. I do the whole thing for two days. Me personally. Wow. I'm not charging so much. <laughs> I said I got a premium because <laughs> it's me. <laughs> and most people, you go to training, you get a facilitator. You know, it's somebody who's been taught the material. And I'll tell you the difference when you actually use it, people know the difference. Okay, so you're speaking from experience. People know the difference. Okay, so they go to your they go to your two day two day seminar and. Uh, what what happens after that? Uh, do they get materials that they can keep going with, or are there uh, well, other I, things they can do to continue this journey? Workbook that we're going to work through for those two days, mm-hmm. and then I think uh, you know I tell people you got to keep you, you have to think about this every morning. I, I I blog three times a week on leadership management and service excellence, and I tell people read about it every day so that it gets in your brain. So when you get out of your car, you think about okay, today I got to be a good leader. I got to behave myself. I've got to. Uh, I've got to pay attention to people. I've got to spend time with people. You got to you got to get this into a new way of thinking so that you're spending your time in the right places. So we just keep hammering away at that, and you know, a lot of people, you know, there were a lot of people recently don't practice good time management. So they just never taken a class. They've never even thought about it. It's, you know, we only do what we know. And uh, when I went to this class 30 years ago, it really changed my life. That. Uh, Frankly, I was already disciplined, but I didn't have a good system for executing all this stuff. 
Right. You, so you have your own system. It really, the whole world runs on systems. Good organizations have good systems. They usually make money. The ones that don't have good systems usually don't do too well. So you have your own system yeah. now. Can you tell me who you learned from? Yeah, I uh, took, uh, first of all, uh, I, uh, my boss back in uh, 1980 at Marriott made us all go to a time management class. When the memo came to me to go, I said, I can't go. I don't need this thing. I'm, I get my work done. And uh, he made me go. You know how bosses are. And what I learned is, yeah, I, I get my work done, but I was working Saturday, Sunday nights, taking work home. And I tell you, after I took that class and started applying it, I... My work week went down dramatically, and I just found out I was—I didn't know how to do big projects. And I really learned in that class that you don't have to know everything. I started—I was—you know how we all are in business today. We have to make everybody think we know everything. And I started being confident enough to go get help when I needed it. Ask the experts to do things I didn't know how to do, and and uh, so this was a guy I can't even remember his name now but he taught this class and I just went to it was a two day class on time management 16 hours and I tell you what I, it's the same old story you learn something new that's why you go to classes you learn something you can go back and execute it and it really and it was easy for me because I was already disciplined I was never late for dinner <laughs> so uh, you know my mother said I was always disciplined my brother was always late so He's been married four times, so, you know, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let me ask you. I, I don't think I was, telling, I was telling people, by the way, my mother was married five times, my brother's married four. I'm trying to get the average down in our family. There you go. Wow. <laughs> Lee, um, let me ask you, uh, are you saying, essentially, it sounds like you're saying, you know, you're just a, you're a regular guy from, uh, you know, from mid-America who went out there and uh, learned some great techniques so uh, got got out there and uh, applied himself and now is running one of you know was running one of the largest and most famous uh, iconic <laughs> companies in the world are you saying that uh, if people learn to be more organized uh, and and learn some management leadership skills that anybody could do that if they applied themselves well, I think deep down in America, I, you know, I've read a lot of articles recently that they're kind of saying it really doesn't matter where you go to college. <laughs> it matters what you do. And right. nobody even asks after you get out in there. And I believe that anybody that can execute and do the job and are organized and can get it done, absolutely. And, uh, and, um, that's, I, you know, I wouldn't suggest that to my son. I made sure he went and got his bachelor's degree at a great university and he got his MBA that Disney paid for and he's a smart kid and he's doing great and I, I wouldn't rec I'd recommend most kids go to college if you can but also if you're not going to college go out there and be, be high school college kids ask me all the time can I spend some time with you Lee an hour to understand how to get ahead I said no I'll tell you right now be better than everybody else yeah have a better attitude get your work done no matter what Get that look off your face when they tell you you got to work Saturday night and Christmas Day and New Year's Eve. Be great. And next thing you know, nobody's trying very hard. You're going to stick out like a sore thumb, and you're going to get promoted, I guarantee you, because all bosses want somebody they can depend on. Yeah, you, you do mention that uh, throughout the book, and I, I don't mean to make this like an infomercial for your book, but I, I really did like it. Um, and the book is Creating Magic, by the way, for our listeners, uh, by Lee Cockrell. It's, it's pretty terrific. And one of the things that you say throughout the book is that, yeah, not everybody is going to be the president of a company just because they learn how to manage their time. If you're 
a kitchen worker, that's fine. Just be the best kitchen worker that you can be, and that will lead you to better things. And I, I think that's more important uh, a lesson to be drawn than just, you know, if you go out and get your your uh, your day timer and you organize your life, you're going to go right. from the kitchen to the boardroom. Well, if you're the best kitchen worker, before you know it, you'll be in charge of the kitchen workers. <laughs> and you'll get more money. So Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and quality quality of worker, quality of workmanship is, again, another recurring theme. It's, and, and I always yeah. I want the book. You don't want it to be a commercial for a feel-good Disney movie, but uh, I think the book itself really transcends Disney. It, it's about the business world, uh, and you relate to the business world with some phenomenal anecdotes about how they apply day-to-day -day and how you should live them day-to-day -day as opposed to just, you know, like I did. I took a Dale Carnegie course back in, I don't want to tell you how old I am, but way back, <laughs> and, and it was wonderful, um, but at the time I was a carpenter, those lessons oh. would apply. Um, but I did take them to heart as much as I could. Well, when you take a class like Dale Carnegie or a speech class, or all, it builds your self-confidence. And then when you start practicing it, you just, uh, you know, you get better and better and better and better. Everything's hard before it's easy, I tell people. So you got to go attack the things you're not good at. I was a terrible public speaker. I dropped out of speech the night before I had to give a speech in college because I was so terrified. Fifteen years later, they asked me to give a speech at Marriott. I forgot I didn't know how. And uh, I went up there and wrote something down and read it. The audience looked at me like, why don't you just die? Leave us alone. And then I went and got some help. And I started doing it and practicing in front of my cast members and nonprofit organizations. And today, I got better and better and better. Today, I don't even prepare when I go in. But back then, I, I mean, it was a sickening feeling to think about doing it. So it's like anything. You gotta go push. It's like exercise. It's not a whole lot of fun, but it feels real good afterwards. And uh, so uh, people just uh, got. To, I think the big thing I worry about is people underestimate what they can do in life, and they underestimate the impact they can have on other people. I think parents do it. I think liability is and setting a good example. It's gigantic. Do you do a lot of work with kids, Lee? Yeah, I do. Actually, I speak to high school students and middle school students. Every town I go to, I call the school and say I'd be happy to speak to them, no charge, because I spoke to a group one morning, and it really inspired me. This girl came up when I finished, and she said, Mr. Cockrell, thank you for coming today. Until today, I did not know I could be a leader. And, you know, that made me feel really good. Oh, that is true. So you're saying every time you go, whenever you speak in a like, I, I think school, I think... I think a very important thing, and, and, and I've started using it now, um, which is that you say is that everyone matters and make sure that they know it. And I think as a manager, if you can grab anything out of, out of management technique and skills that you've taught them, it's just that. If, if you let everybody know they matter, they'll begin to believe it themselves, and I think that's pretty terrific. Absolutely, and a lot of people have poor role models. A lot of times it's their parents are poor role models. They don't have a father. I mean, there's a lot of situations that when they come to work in a good organization, you can be the person that changes and turns their life around. And uh, I think people underestimate that. They don't believe in themselves sometimes. And I, I know personally it, you can do it. You'll make a difference. You'll be proud of that 10 years later when somebody calls you back and says, thanks for what you did for me. That day you sat down and talked to me and told me I need to get my act together and blah, blah, blah. And... Uh, 
it's it's rewarding. That's probably the best feeling you get when I just when somebody says thanks for what you did. I told you know I think I might have said in the book my next book's going to be called Manage Like a Mother because mothers, <laughs> you know, it's got a double meaning. Mothers know how to do it, and they they don't care if you're happy. They're getting you ready for bigger things. Happiness is a personal problem. I used to tell people you don't have to be happy to work at this, and you just got to act happy. We're putting on a show here. <laughs> You know, I don't know why you're not happy. Maybe your mother locked you in the closet when you were little. That's not my problem. So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Let me go back to that really quick, uh, Lee. You said, you said that when you go, let me see if I understood you. You said when you go to speak in a town, and you go to many towns, uh, they should actually, yeah. people should go to your uh, website and check your uh, seminars and speeches So when because you're probably going to be in their area sometime soon. But when you go to these towns, you actually go and speak to kids? Is this... Uh, do you bring them to the seminar? Are these free? You go to their high school? Uh, do you charge? What's the deal? I go, yeah. I go to the high school, and usually I speak for private companies. I'm just starting the public thing in January where I'll start to put it on my site. It's on my site now, actually. Mm-hmm. Public ones. The private ones, what I do is tell the organization that you'd also like me to speak to the high school students. I'll give you credit for it. They usually call it maybe the Chamber of Commerce, or maybe it's a, a corporation. And they usually call up, and because it's a good thing, the school says absolutely. They usually give you about 40. 50 minutes around 12 o'clock when the kids are on break. They come and bring them in, mm-hmm. talk to them, answer questions. A lot of the kids have a lot of great questions. They really can relate. And uh, and they can really relate to my background because a lot of those kids sitting out in front of these tough schools and audiences, are, you know, they've gone through some really tough times, family and marriages and and uh, poverty and all these kinds of things. They relate to it. That maybe it will pick them up. And so schools like it, the kids like it. And I always hear from a lot of the kids later about now that got them thinking a little differently. So. That's great. You know, we've been talking well, a lot about fine. education lately, and one of the things that we, you know, we believe we realized is that, you know, it's not the kids; it's uh, the teachers. No, it's not the kids. We're all sweet little things when we're born. With adults grow us up. So <laughs> I said, I said, all over the world, all over the world, little babies in Palestine and Israel and Iraq and Iran and America are just the sweetest little things. And then after we brainwash them negatively, they end up being a big mess. So we got to be careful about that and uh, make sure we understand the impact we have on people. Well, that's that children. That's like, I love that yeah, book we, with kids. It's really important. But I wanted to ask you also about. I didn't want this interview to go without asking about RAVE, R-A-V-E. Yeah. Well, we, I guess I was, that's why in the first uh, strategy in my book is the title is Remember Everyone is Important, and that's all about respecting, appreciating, valuing everyone. That's what RAVE, respect, appreciate, value, everyone. And once you get that in your brain, there's a lot of bigotry in this country. I tell people I grew up in the 40s and 50s in Oklahoma. You think I ever heard anything inappropriate in my house? Absolutely. But I didn't think it was right. We made sure our son never heard it. And he doesn't have a discriminatory bone in his body. And his kids now, they wouldn't even know what you're talking about if you said diversity. They, it's not a goal for them. They live it. It's their life. Their kids are black. Their friends are black and Hispanic and from India and girls and younger kids. And they, it's a, this shows what can happen in just, uh, you know, really one generation if you behave yourself and set the right example and do the right things. So your kids grow up, uh, I, I guarantee I got three grandkids that are 15, 12, and 9, and they don't see any color. They have, their friends are from everywhere. It's just a wonderful thing to see. Yes. And, um, all I can think of is truly a small world after all. <laughs> you got that one right. 
That's yeah, yeah, the right in that song. <laughs> that, <laughs> well, yeah, I think it's great. I, I, and once I get off and I and I volunteer you for my son's high school, um, yeah. But no, I, I think it's great. In fact, our mantra uh, that JW and I work on is reach out to everyone and you're sure to touch someone because we we started what we were doing because we were trying to just help people uh, who were really... Well, I think you ought to also add that it's not just Lee Cockrell speaking, kids. Every businessman, every person who feels like they got something to offer ought to be in these schools every week talking to these kids. Communities are full of great leaders and great people. And, and uh, we ought to be up there. We ought to be doing it in our own hometowns, helping them. I mean, we need this workforce. And changing this dropout rate to from, from, you know, 30% of kids dropping out in ninth grade because they're reading at third grade level. I mean, this is ridiculous, America. And uh, we ought to all be out there doing it. We got a stake in it, business stake too, by the way. Have you heard? Have you heard about what was the book called, uh, Bob? That uh, we were talking about the other day. It's actually a movie, uh, Waiting for Superman. Have you heard? That's all right. No. Yeah, it's, it's out. It's coming out soon. It's going to be, uh, you know, and again, so a pro- the guy who produced um, Michael Moore's uh, movie and uh, oh yeah, 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 and he made he made um, uh, Gore. Uh, pretty much a rock star for a little while. He produced yeah. about the education system. Well, Bill Gates yeah. just jumped on board, and it's it's really about getting trying. I think they're trying to get rid of tenure for teachers because there's just too many te- teachers out there. That yeah, but you know, tenure's not the problem. The problem is starts right at home. Got parents, no kids. Mom's illiterate. I mean, it's it, you know how where the problem is. You can define the problem by zip code in this country. We know exactly which neighborhoods are going to be a thirty percent dropout. It's all a zip code issue. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's true. It is my zip code. My zip code has no dropouts. That, no, that's a, that's and the number yeah, one reason. Numbers. Number one reason for dropping out is poverty, and the second reason is being a minority. I mean, you can go, it's prison. That's how they build prison, zip code modeling. They know after 18 years how, what percentage of the kids in that zip code will be in jail. That's true. It's true. And if you read the book Freakonomics, it talks about that at length. <laughs> Does they? Yes. That's true. Yeah. I mean, we could go in and if somebody would adopt, and one guy in Orlando did, he adopted a zip code, black neighborhood, poor, no mothers, no kids, fathers at home. Dropout rate was like 60%. He put free daycare in that neighborhood for every mother that wanted to work and then put YMCA's for they have a safe place to go after work. And if you graduate from high school, they'll pay for college for four years. Dropout rate now is 4%. Wow. Who did that? After 10 years. Who did that His Harris Rosen. Harris Rosen. He owns a bunch of hotels in Orlando. He changed the whole neighborhood and the whole life. He changed. It's, these kids started coming to school in first grade, and they were already reading at third grade level eight years after this started. Wow. And Orange County didn't know what to do with them. They, and kids can learn. They just need the right environment. And, they, and mom can't work because she had three kids. And now he provided a way for her to work and build her self-esteem and probably build the self-esteem of the children because mom's working and over... You know, the second generation, these kids are going to graduate from college, and the next thing you're going to have lawyers and doctors. And, yeah, it's just, it's just, you know, it's a zip code issue, baby. Alan, we know where the zip code problems are. You know where they are in your town. Well, you know, I know we wanted to talk about leadership and management here, but I'm actually really glad it morphed this direction, mainly because these are the people that, you know, are young, our youth are the people that we will count on to bring us through the next century. And I think that we we can't negate that we need to 
do something, and there, ha- you know, and there has to be ways that we can do do things and not rely on the government. And I think that you brought up a couple of those, and that's getting involved. Well, and if you don't, that's why they're breaking in your house and hijacking your car. Why do I live behind a gated community? I mean, it's ridiculous. We're separating ourselves more and more and more because the minute you drop out in ninth grade, you're going to have a criminal background. I guarantee you. It's, it's what's going to happen. I'd be selling drugs, too, if I were them. Yeah. Do what you have to do. I told somebody the other day, give a homeless person 20 bucks. Don't worry if he uses it on alcohol. I would, too, if I was homeless. <laughs> so, <you know. laughs> That's my wife. You know, it's uh, funny because I used to say, don't ever give them money. Cause they're, and she said, you know what? I don't care what they use it on. I'm, you know, I'm, <laughs> I want to make sure that they're, right. they, you know, they, maybe they are using it on alcohol, but what the heck, you know. I like, do it all the time. Yeah. It makes me feel good. And it makes them feel great. <laughs> <laughs> So, who cares? A lot of people have jobs of drinking anyway, so. <laughs> oh, we just saw, yeah, we just saw that on the news, the Ford company. <laughs> Somebody went down there and after their bailout, they, they took a camera oh, to the oh, parking yeah. lot. They're all out drinking during their break. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Smoking pot. And <laughs> oh, just nuts. So anyway, let's get, let's Everybody's get. got problems, you know. That's what I'm glad I learned. My wife got sick and almost died. Oh. A couple of years ago, and we went through a really tough time. Uh, she was in the hospital 64 days, cost 700000 bucks. Not I didn't pay, Disney Insurance did. but And I ended up with depression. A guy who's never been impressed a day in my life, I was 65, ended up with depression, had to see a psychiatrist for six months. Boy, I tell you, the lesson I told people I've asked is, everybody has a problem you don't know about. Just be nicer to people. If you'd ever said I was going to get depressed, I would tell you there's no way. And I, went, I used to think, why, why don't these depressed people get their act together? I thought it was an attitude. Boy, I got slapped upside the head. Now, my wife's okay now, and I'm okay, and we're back to normal. But it was 18 months of, I didn't care about anything. I didn't even care if I saw my grandkids. And I would tell you, I tell you all the time, just be nicer to people. You don't know what's going on when they're yelling at you. It's probably not anything to do with what your situation is. It's probably they're going through a divorce and losing their house and mother died and God knows what else. So everybody in this country and everybody in the world got problems we don't know about. Wow, you know, that's, 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 that's hugely, um, I mean, did you, I'm sure you learned a huge lesson from that, you know, especially if you were coming from the place of, hey, why don't you just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and, and, and move on? <laughs> that's what I thought. That's what I thought. I didn't even care if I saw my grandkids. Can you imagine? I mean, that was like, I was in a deep, dark place, and it's the worst feeling I've ever had in my life, and it's just, uh, and by the way, 20% of Americans are on antidepressants now. I went to a counselor at first. That was useless. I needed the meds. I got some right medication, and I, in six weeks, I was out of it. You know, I, so, I also went through a deep depression. I, I know Bob did, too, at one time. We've talked about our past together. We're, we're pretty good friends, obviously, and um, yeah. I got my help from a guy named uh, Les Brown. I, 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 he never, he doesn't know me that way. I know him now, but I just met him. Uh, but he was a motivational speaker, and I happened to have a tape. And, and so what you're saying about, hey, treat people nice, you know, I was in deep depression, and I listened to this motivational speech, and it didn't save me overnight, but at least it got me to the point where I just got a little tinge of motivation to, to move up a notch. And once I started moving, <laughs> once I started moving, I was okay. Boy, but it took a you know, it took some time. And and so when somebody comes at you and they and they treat you nice and they're you know, no matter what your situation is, it can help a lot. Believe me. I just come to go to Disney. This is the problem with the troops coming back. Uh, my psychiatrist told me eighty percent could be cured with meds if they just come in for help. And of course, the macho men and 
Most men don't go in and get help. They keep thinking they can work, and then the next time they start drinking and sleeping and uh, getting abusive, and life goes downhill. But literally, six, seven weeks, meds cure 80% of people. Um, yeah, yeah. You, you need a starting point. You need to get you need to get to that place where you can start working on things. And uh, exactly. Right. Yeah. I totally hear you. Okay, so. Um, I'm not sure where to go from here. Let's, uh, you know, uh, I wanted to ask you about people being your brand, and I think, uh, but uh, you kind of answered, you kind of answered those questions. I mean, you know, it actually doesn't sound like rocket science. The, the management techniques. It's just a matter of getting people to go to the seminar, or go to the Disney Institute, or go anywhere and learn something to stretch their brains out. Because once you stretch a guy's mind, it's hard to put it back. Well, I think that's why we take seminars or read books or listen to tapes. You learn things you didn't know. I mean, we only know what we know, and that's I re I've read management leadership books my whole life, and that's you know, while I didn't finish college, I probably am better educated in time management, leadership, and management than most people. I've got thirty years of cranking away at it since I didn't have a formal education. So we can keep learning, and we should. And and by the way, with technology changing today, you better keep learning. Mike. Grandson told me when he was 11, he said, Pappy, you know, we have to help our computer teacher a lot. She doesn't know too much. <laughs> and I was going, how would you like to be a computer teacher today? It's got to be frightening. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, no, I, went, I got my degree in electronics, and I went to computer school, and I actually, I actually was the uh, student teacher in the class. We had a few yeah. of those because our teachers were really behind, to be honest with you. Exactly. And uh, that's one of the things I talked about in my book. Uh, stay ahead of the pack. You've got to wake up every morning and figure out what you need to go and go. Most people don't go out for technology because it's intimidating. You've got to force yourself to go do it. And uh, I every day I'm learning because I don't have a secretary. I just do my own thing. I have to do it all. And so I had to learn how to use my computer 100% and all the technology. And and I got an iPhone app coming out in November that's going to give you daily suggestions on your life and challenges and dates to remember and don't forget to make your doctor's appointment for your annual physical and to make, when you get to work today, go around and tell all your people how much you appreciate them. People need some daily hints to not forget those really vital and important things in their lives. What's the name of that app? So when Because uh, people will be listening to this for a while in archives, so they can... You know it'll, be out, it'll be in the business section, and the title of the app will be Creating Magic. There you go. Hey, <laughs> and my little face will be on the business app section, and I'll be the only face on there. The rest are logos, so it's a human theme. <laughs> very, that's very cool. You know, I, I like. You know, I work with a lot of people. I'm in, I'm 52 now, and I've been working in IT since uh, 1976, and my life has been full of trying to get people to embrace technology. Uh, you know, not always a fun job, but so I always appreciate, especially somebody of your background who really kind of, you know, gets it. Um, it says things like can't run away from it. Nope. Well, people it's try. Gonna take over your life. I mean, it's the way it is. It's the way it is. I know people that are still still won't use an ATM card because it's it's, it's, <laughs> it's too newfangled for them. Oh yeah, well, progress just keeps marching on. There you go. Before, every company is going to charge you a lot of money if you don't do it yourself. They're already doing that. If you don't go online and handle things and make sure you're taking care of business, they're going to charge you a huge fees. You're going to have a lot of inflation in your life. Well, it's, it's funny because you, that you say that because Bob and I work with that all the time. We're trying to build companies out, and we know that we could throw money at it. 
but we don't have the money to throw. So by going out there and doing the research, we found free stuff to get done just about everything we've needed to do. Um, Absolutely. So, you know, out there. Take, it, just take, it just took us the time. So we, had, we couldn't throw money at it, so we had to take our time and, and find the stuff. And that's what, it, you know, that was the big deal. Well, it just shows you how it changes with these apps, you know. I was reading an article, and it makes a lot of sense. It says it's changing the whole Internet because now we go to the Internet to look for a site. With the apps, you bring the screen to you, the screens you want. You don't have to go there looking. And that's interesting. Instead of going to the screen, the screen comes to you. And uh, it's, that's going to change everything again. Well, you know what? It's, it's, it's huge. It's changed marketing completely. It used to be, everything used to be outbound marketing where you sent uh, letters to people yeah. or you, you know, all these different things that you would send out to people. Well, the Internet has changed that. You, you know as well as uh, many people who are going to listen to this know that they, they throw away all their junk mail and they delete all their promotional email and try to unsubscribe if they can. So that, market, that uh, type of marketing doesn't work anymore. They've got to go searching for you now. Exactly. I guess the post office will be out of business soon. So. Uh, <laughs> there'll, always, there'll always be somebody who wants to send some snail mail there. there you know that. Uh, yeah, for a while. For a while. Hey, um, you yeah. know, I, I don't want to. I want to make sure that Bob gets in here. I knew we had a lot of questions for you, and I'm, I'm taking up your time here. Bob, did you have? Uh... No, I, I just want to make sure that. Uh... The listeners realize that you know everything that we've been talking about is coming from from a man that has gone through it um, on a grassroots level, if, if you will. You, I mean, you, you've done everything. Whenever you were a manager, no matter how big you were, you just managed to keep it down to the the employee level, so that you you always had a great perspective on it. And I think it was that perspective that I kept. You know, reading throughout your book, and I assume is what you transmit when you do your seminars, is that you can't get so big and so far away from your people that you lose track of, of who they are and what they're doing for you. So uh, I think and I don't even know why you would want to get too far away from them. That's what I don't understand why people get too big for their bridges. Well, that's the other thing, Kelly. Tell everybody. Yeah, don't get bored with the basics in life. It's about, you know, when you have kids, your basics are getting them a good education. It's making sure they're honest and have high integrity and they're good people and good manners. And so we get so enamored with technology, we forget about the basics in life. It's just Walt Disney said, you know, keep it friendly and keep it clean and everything will be fine after I'm gone. And you know what? We need to get remember the basics in life. Absolutely. And you need to get back to them. I tell everybody, clipboards are going to come back. Remember the day we had clipboards? We used to get things done. <laughs> That's it. I, I still use mine. I have clipboards. And yellow pads and clipboard. Absolutely. So people get to an hour. I would tell the average person who has a Blackberry, and I have one too, and an iPhone and all that stuff, they've gotten disorganized because they've lost the system they used to have, and the Blackberry and iPhone all. It's not good for checklists and getting the work done. Because everybody, you go to a meeting, everybody tells you to turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I we do a lot of nothing. There's nothing like I, you know, I carry a pad. In, for, I was in the military, and they always taught me to keep a pad in my pocket, and that is that's, that's my main tool. I have a pad in my back pocket, and whenever you stop, I'm not sitting there trying to text your information into my my uh, Android. I pull out my paper. <laughs> Well, and I said, now everybody's got an iPad. Now they got a good reason to waste a lot of time. <laughs> they can watch movies. <laughs> exactly. 
Hey, Lee, I don't want to. I, I want to make sure we get back to uh, you know the the people are listening to this. You know, they 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 really want they want to get a hold of you. They want to know you know what uh, how to see you and how to get to your seminars and how to get uh, how to find your book and all that kind of stuff. So, can you tell us how, how they how the you know what's the best way they can get in touch with you? Every single thing you just mentioned is on my website, uh, com, and my seminars are on there, and I can buy my book on there. You can uh, uh, you can get on the blog if you want it and get it three times a week. You can get it through your Twitter account. I have about 3,000 people that do that now because it comes direct. When I post, it goes right to their Twitter, and they get it on their phone. It's all there, my contact information, my home address, my everything you want on there. I'm not hiding. There you go. And um, I would tell everybody that this, uh, you don't get a chance very often to talk to somebody who has uh, led you know, 40,000 cast members at Disneyland. Uh, Lee has made himself extremely available, and he wants to make sure that, the, um, that manage, great leadership and management techniques get out to the people. Uh, go to his site. Check it out. Get his book. The book is fantastic. You will learn a lot just from the book. Uh, Lee, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate your time, your graciousness, uh, the amount of information that you were uh, willing to put out, and just your, your kindness and the things that you do to help people. It's, it's, it's really wonderful, and uh, we applaud you. Thank you. I'm glad to do it. Thank you all for doing the interview. I appreciate it. Thank you, Lee. All right. Bye now. Thank you for listening to the Networking Fools Show, featured on Blog Talk Radio and on the Networking Fools website at www.networkingfools.com. Networking Fools is the property of Network Alchemists. Networking Fools, Network Alchemists, Nalchemists, and Alchemy are trademarks of the Network Alchemists. LLC, and this podcast is copyright 2010, and all rights are reserved.